0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the Acts of the Apostles, the first chapter. You may be seated. My dear friends in Christ, Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. This Ascension Day, we celebrate something that is for us as precious as really anything else from the life of Christ, whether it is his entire life, his crucifixion, his resurrection, even his return from heaven. The ascension is for the Christian as integral as all of those things. In a very real way, the ascension is the way that Christ does his work upon this earth. And also, in a very real way, it is better for you that Christ has ascended than if you were still here to your eyes bodily. Now, that might be a strange thought. You know, all of you know that my dad died a couple of years ago now, a little over two years ago, and we can all think of people that we love who have died to go and be with the Lord and Wouldn't you give just about anything for a conversation with them again? Phone call. One more time and you can see them with your own eyes and you can say to them, I love you. And they can say, I love you too. It seems like that would be a wonderful thing to have them right there with you. And so for us, as we think of Jesus, it's kind of this idea where we look at this and we go, well, why wouldn't it be better for Jesus to be with us bodily? That we could look at him and say, Lord, I love you. And he could say to you, I love you too. You could be with him. You could learn from him. You could grab at his feet. Here's perhaps part of the problem with this. You're still a sinner. And if your Lord is in front of you bodily, you kind of have this idea where if you sin, what's he going to do? Is he going to walk away from me? Is he going to kill me? If Jesus is in front of you bodily, you're always going to have this doubt where, well, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I'm just not righteous enough. Maybe I'm just not holy enough for him. But you see, by the ascension of Jesus, he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he sits down and sends the Spirit to you. And the Spirit brings himself and Jesus, and so in a real way, Jesus resides in you. He's with you in a way that he is not if he were bodily present. And so, as a sinner, if you go off and you commit your sin, If you do something that seems to you so horrible, but then it is preached into your ears that Jesus is still with you, it is something that reminds you of what he said, I shall never leave you, nor shall I forsake you. Jesus being absent from our eyes, but present by his spirit within you should comfort you in such a way that your Jesus is not leaving you, that he will not forsake you, that he will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The bodily absence of Jesus is something that for us is a comfort, because here he is with you. Through your sin-filled life, through your struggles, through your trials, through your temptations, through anything that you go through, your Jesus is with you and he will not leave you. If you were bodily here, if you were gone for a minute, wouldn't you think, has he left me? Has he forsaken me? And this ultimately then is completed when Jesus returns bodily to this earth to take you out of your sin and bring you into everlasting righteousness and perfection. In that moment, you don't need that constant presence of Jesus. Though certainly you will have it, but you don't need it like you do now. You don't need that constant presence of Jesus to remind you you're forgiven. You've been made right. Right. Because in that resurrection, in that eternal life, in that promised land which is to come, you will be made right. You will be holy. You will be perfect. You'll be righteous in God's eyes. And you don't need that reminder that all of your sins are forgiven because your sins have been cast away from you as far as the east is from the west. So while I would give just about anything to have one more conversation with my dad, I have in Jesus right now something better than if he were here. I have something better than those three years that the apostles spent with him. I have something better than those 40 days after his resurrection. I have Jesus in baptism. I have Jesus in his word, and I have Jesus in the supper. And these are the ways that Jesus are with you, and they're better. They're better. I mean, Paul even talks about this in our epistle lesson today, where he talks about Christ filling all things. He fills his word with his presence so that when you hear it, it's in your ears and it's on your minds. He fills his word with his presence so that when you are baptized, it is on your skin and it's in your ears. And he fills his word with his presence so that when you're at the supper, you can taste him. You can feel him. He fills all things so that you can have him right where he's promised to be. Now, Luke, he's the author of the book of Acts, right? He's the one who accompanies Paul along his missionary journeys, not the whole way, but most of the way. In fact, you can kind of assume that most of the gospel of Luke is really a lot of Paul's remembering what Jesus had told him through his visions. Yes, it's true, Luke went back and he did a lot of interviews, especially with Mary. Mary is a wonderful contributor to this gospel, but Luke's gospel is as much Paul's as it is Mary. And so Luke continues the story. See, the gospel of Jesus, the, accord, the accounting excuse me, of his actions and his deeds, doesn't just stop at the ascension. But in fact, well, Luke tells you it is everything that he has from that point begun to do and to teach. Now, again, you go, well, Jesus isn't with us bodily. So how, if he's ascended, does Jesus begin to do and teach now? Well, remember. Jesus says that he's going to send his spirit who will guide you into all truth. That promise is just as true for you today as it was for the apostles 2,000 years ago. Your minds have been made open to understand the scriptures, just as the apostles' minds were made open to understand the scriptures. The ascension is not the end of the ministry but it is just the beginning of the continuance of Jesus' ministry on earth. Jesus had three years of what we would call public ministry, preaching, teaching, doing miracles, doing signs to point that he is the Messiah. And then he died and rose and ascended into heaven, and he has continued his public ministry through his church for the last 2,000 years. The ministry is not ended. And you kind of get this, right? That he's blessing the apostles. We we heard this in, in the gospel lesson. He's blessing the apostles. And it says, while he was blessing them, he was taken up into heaven. The blessing never ended. We're still in the midst of the blessing of Christ to his church. His ministry his covenant with us to be with us forever is watching over us. It has continued on since he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Luke calls this the ascension. And he writes this to a person. Now, we don't know if this is a real person or not, because it could be. There are certainly people named this in this time, but... The Greek meaning behind the word Theophilus comes from two words, Theos and Phileos, God and lover. To the one who loves God, understand this, that in the first book I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And now in this second book, O God lover, I will continue on with what it is Jesus is doing. He's writing this to you. Whether you wrote it to a first person or not, he's certainly writing it to you that you would know that your Jesus is with you in a greater way than what we find Jesus being with the apostles here in the very first verses of this book of Acts. And certainly we know that this is just the beginning. The Spirit's going to come. Now, the apostles waited 10 days for their baptisms to be fulfilled. That's really what's going on in these 10 days. They were baptized in the baptism of John for the repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And the Spirit comes and dwells upon them in such a way, completing the baptism that was completed for you that time that you were baptized. You don't have to wait for your baptisms to be fulfilled. Jesus waited for that. Your baptism is fulfilled fully for Christ is all in all. Your baptism not only accompanies the forgiveness of sins, but it also brings to you the Spirit who brings to you the gift of faith. For the apostles, their baptism is the same as your baptism. It just took a little bit longer to finish. And so Jesus says, go and wait for that Spirit to come. And the Spirit comes on Pentecost Day in Jerusalem. And there Jesus begins to do and to teach, even bringing 3,000 souls unto himself that very first day. That's the beginning of Jesus' doing and teaching. And certainly then the apostles, well, even though their minds are open to understand the scriptures, they still get a little confused. Will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, for you and I, this comes out in, well, Lord, are you finally going to retake this country for yourself? Are going to finally return us to the values which made us great? Are you finally going to return gas prices down to at least half of what we're currently paying? Jesus looks at you and he says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. What it is for you to know is that you here are fulfilling the promise that I give to you. You are the beginning of what I am doing and teaching in this world. You indeed will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's our business. We certainly try to look for signs of the times and the seasons. We try to understand what it is that God is doing. But in a lack of that understanding, go and do and be what Jesus has given you to do and be. Go be his witness, go do his works. This is what you've been called to in your baptism. This is what you've been called to by the ascension of Jesus. How do you know that? This is the very last thing that he says. It's like the last words that you put on someone's tombstone, right? Someone groans something out and you just pray that if, when it comes to be your time, you know, it's something good and something great that you Get out of your out of your lungs in that last moment, right before you close your eyes to see your Savior. You pray. It's not something weird like, oh, the pain, or, oh, look, sparkles. But something like, turn your eyes to Jesus. Whether that's granted to you or not, we know that Jesus, his last words are, you are my witnesses. Jesus doesn't have a tombstone because he's not dead. But instead, we write these words upon our hearts and upon our minds. That by the ascension of Jesus, we have been given the power, the authority, the privilege to be his witnesses in all of the world, to the end of the world. Then what happens to these folks? They're staring, looking up as Jesus has ascended up into heaven, and two men come and stand by them in white robes, and they look around, and oh, sure enough, there they are. And you kind of wonder if these are the very same angels that appeared in the garden. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking up into heaven, men of Galilee? Don't you know that Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, is going to return just the way that he went up into heaven? Don't you know that Jesus, who was taken up into heaven, now is with you by his very spirit? Don't you know that Jesus, who is taken up into heaven, is ruling and reigning over all things? Don't you know that Jesus, who is taken up into heaven, will guide you to do and to teach his word? Don't you know this? You see, this is all the ascension of Jesus. Everything that we've covered today, everything that we go over, the ascension of Jesus is so great in your life. It's something that we skip over, I think, a lot in our thoughts. But it is something that makes everything that you do, everything that you receive from God possible. If it weren't for the ascension of Jesus... I don't know that we would be able to receive his body and blood the very same way that we do today. If it weren't for the ascension of Jesus, I don't know that you could have confidence in the forgiveness of your sins. If it weren't for the ascension of Jesus, I don't know that you could take heart in your baptism and lean upon it in times of trial and doubt. If it weren't for the ascension of Jesus, I don't think you could have any confidence in whether the word is right or not. If it weren't for the ascension of Jesus, I don't think you could really read your Bible and try to make sense of it. If it weren't for the ascension of Jesus, I don't think you would know what's true and what's not. Is it possible that Jesus could make some way outside of this way? I suppose. But remember, everything has been pointing to this in the scriptures. That Jesus would come. That he would live perfectly for you. That he would die to forgive your sins. That he would rise from the dead to give to you the promise of everlasting life. And that he would rise, ascend to the right hand of the Father. And from there would come to judge the living and the dead. All the scriptures have testified to this. And so this is the way that this happens. And because of this, then you can know that because Jesus has ascended to the Father, and because now he sends his Spirit who brings Jesus to you to dwell with you always, you can know these things. That his word is true. That your baptism is good and valid and has saved you. That the forgiveness of sins given in his name in this place is real. And that all your sins are gone from you. That he is in his supper coming to you in his body and blood. at this time and every time you receive it. And in every church that practices this across the, uh, the ages, and the world, and he is with you always, now and forever. These things you know by his very ascension. And while it's true, we kind of have this idea that a bodily presence of Jesus seems like it would be better than all of this. But I assure you, it's not. And if you don't trust me in anything else that I've said, Trust me in this. Jesus says, it is good that he depart from us. For then he will send his spirit. If you don't trust me, trust your Jesus. He is, it is good that he ascends to the Father. It is good that he is gone from us. Because now you have something better than what you could have with just your eyes. You have that which relies upon faith. You have that which opens that hand to receive the gifts that God would give you in all of his works, in all of his ways. You have all that is wonderful in Christ by his very ascension. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.